of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. And welcome to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, we are approaching the end of the Psalm Project. It is bittersweet because it has been such a formative time in my life. Um, I, I, I feel like I've understood the Psalms quite well for uh, several years, especially considering that. Um, I utilized the Psalms for my first doctoral dissertation. Um, but going through every single Psalm, all 150, setting them to music, studying them, looking at the background, this has really enhanced my understanding of this uh, wonderful book. And, um, I, I've mentioned before it's been called the, the hymnal of Israel, um, but I, I firmly believe even more so. Now, my, my first doctoral dissertation was on corporate prayer, and it was using the Psalms as a model for corporate prayer. And even more so now, I see the book of Psalms as a an exhaustive model for not only corporate prayer, but personal prayer. It is a prayer guide. And it is a guide that instructs us not only how to pray, but the attitude and the actions we should take in our prayers. Prayer is worship. Worship is prayer. And so this also guides how we worship. And so we are here today in Psalm 147. And as I've mentioned, these... uh, next few chapters are sort of a grand finale, um, a great doxology. And and this is the part of the great doxology that concludes the Psalter, these next four chapters, for 147, 148, 149, and 150. And it praises the Lord here in one Psalm, uh, Psalm 147 for rebuilding Jerusalem. So it was probably composed during the period of Judah's restoration following the Babylonian captivity. And I've mentioned this era several times. This was the 6th century BC. So anybody on the street comes up and and points a gun to you and says, tell me when the restoration of Judah was after the Babylonian captivity, you will be able to tell them it was the 6th century BC. Um, And so this was written probably and composed during that time and praises God for his restoration of Judah. And as in Psalm 146, God's power is radically contrasted with human might. You think of the most powerful person in the world that you can think of, the strongest, the most powerful, the most eloquent, no one compares to God. So let's take a look at this. This is not attributed to an author. Uh, Psalm 147. It is about God healing the brokenhearted and specifically Israel in their uh, captivity and restoring them. So let me read for you Psalm 147. 
Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor is pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. So let's look at a few things that stand out here. The psalmist here begins like many of the like the, the next few chapters will begins and ends with praise the Lord. So it is framed by the idea of praise. But he continues in that trajectory in verse 1 and he says, "Praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. And so in this way, the poet here encourages the congregation to praise the Lord. Praise him because it is good. In other words, <clears throat> there does not have to be any other reason except for the fact that it is marvelously good to praise God. And then he gives reasons after that. But the foundation to praise God is because he is good, irrespective of the reasons that he will outline here that, that are so vast and plenty. Uh, but irrespective of that, God is good, and it is good to praise him. He is worthy of praise. But he gives reasons. In verse 2, he says, He gathers the outcasts of Israel. This verse probably refers to the return of the Judeans to the Promised Land following Cyrus's decree. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles 36, and uh, that officially ended the Babylonian exile. Verse 4, he determines the number of the stars. The number of stars seems infinite. I'm reminded of Genesis 15. It says, look toward heaven and number the stars 
if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, obviously referring to Abraham. This refers to God's power here, that he is the one that numbers the stars and names them as vast as they may be. Then verse 5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So God is above and beyond human intelligence and there is not any scale that can measure his infinite wisdom and his infinite understanding. Verses 8 and 9, he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills, and he gives to the beasts their food. So clouds, rain, grass, food. God regulates all the processes that provide food for his creatures. We talk about, you hear about, I live in a farming community, and and I hear farmers, it seems like they're obsessed with the weather, (laughs) You know, it's it's every day they are talking about the weather. There's either too much rain or too little rain. It's it's always something about the weather. And so often what I hear is pray for rain or pray for the rain to cease. And that is because God is the one that regulates all of that. Verse 10. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. You think about the strength and the power of a horse. And, and obviously in this time, that was a mode of transportation. We have cars now, uh, but it's interesting that cars are still measured by their horsepower. <laughs> it's a machine. It's a car, but you might have a car that is, um, you know, 600 horsepower, which would be tremendously large. Um I've often thought that, you know, if we utilize something like frog power, it would seem more impressive because the number would be a lot higher. But, hey, who am I? Nobody's going to listen to me on that. But uh, at any rate, the the idea here is that God does not judge people by their physical strength or appearance, but according to their heart's attitude toward him. You remember in 1 Samuel 16 that God looks at the heart. So strong legs like good horses were important for soldiers. But God's not impressed by them. He looks at the inward part. Verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. We've talked about this idea of fearing God. And in those who hope in his steadfast love, that is God's covenant love for his people. Verse 13, he strengthens the bars of your gates. So the gates of the city provided uh, security. And so you can note what happens when they are weak. In Nahum chapter 3, verse 13, the gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has devoured your bars. So when the gates are weak, the enemy can get in. I remember when I was in college, I lived in an on-campus apartment. And I don't know how it happened, but I left one evening, and I don't know if I did it or my roommate did it, but somehow one of us left the door wide open. We both left eventually, and I got back late that night, um, and the door was open to the apartment. It was just wide open, so it had been open for hours. Uh, 
And so I walked in the apartment. Nothing was stolen. It all looked good. Except I looked on the couch and there was a stray cat. And and when I say a stray cat, picture it looked more like a lion. This thing had a mane. It was a huge cat sitting on the couch staring at me as if it was taunting me. And if you okay, let me back up. I don't like cats. And it's not that I don't really like them. I just can't eat a whole one by myself. Um, well, I, I just, I don't like cats. And so, so this cat was staring at me and it's as if it knew that I did not like his kind. And so, I mean, this cat was just taunting me and he started to stretch. And if you've seen a, a cat stretch, their claws start extending and I, he was scratching my fake leather sofa. I was so mad at that cat. And so I spent a little while trying to get it out. I finally got that cat out of the apartment. But the problem was the door was left open and the cat got in. And so this psalm uh, right here, when it's talking about the gates of the city, uh, it is saying that God is the one that protects the city in the same way that God is the one that protects us. It's not just the gates. Yes, the gates are a physical protection, but ultimately it is God who protects the city. And when the gates are weak, the enemy can get in. Verse 14, he makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. And this is representative of fertility and provision here. And then in verse 15, he sends out his command to the earth. It runs swiftly. In other words, it accomplishes its purpose quickly. Verse 19, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. So he guides Israel in the proper way of corporate behavior. And then again, as I, it, it, the psalm ends as it begins with praise the Lord. And so this is a song of praise that praises God for healing the brokenhearted. We can apply this to our lives individually. This is not just a corporate prayer, but personal lives, how God has healed us emotionally, physically. God is a healer. He is the great physician. And so this is a psalm that praises him for his restoration and his healing. So here is Psalm 147 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
Oh, mm-hmm.
Oh uh-huh.